Welcome to the Harbor Church Weekly Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's message. For more information, visit us online at www.theharborli.com. We, uh, we're going to talk tonight about giving thanks. I've entitled this Give Thanks, so if you're taking notes, you can write that down. We're going to keep it short and sweet tonight. If you attend church regularly, you're like, yeah, right, that never happens. Whatever. Um, give thanks. Give thanks. We, uh, we're going to be looking at a, a simple verse in, uh, in the book of um, First um, Thessalonians. And uh, how many people know that when you have a conversation with somebody, if, if there's something that's really important, many times you will remind them of something at the end of the conversation. So in other words, if I'm, if I'm speaking to my wife about something and there's something coming up or there's something that I need her to remember or she needs me to remember, a lot of times at the end of the conversation we will repeat ourselves. We will reiterate the subject of what we're talking about because you want those words to stick out to somebody. We're about to read a verse that, that Paul is reiterating to this church in Thessalonica saying this is important stuff and I, I need you to remember this stuff. How many people, you know, you hear us say here all the time, uh, we'll do what we can do so that God will do what only he can do. And we, we believe that wholeheartedly. We try to, to live that way. But sometimes you find yourself in life being like, all right, even if I agree with that, what am I supposed to do? As I'm waiting for God to do what only he can do, what exactly am I supposed to do? Well, Paul, in this, this simple two verses, he gives us three things that he makes sound so easy that seem impossible. And then Paul takes it to the point of saying, this is God's will for your life. So if you're wondering what you should be doing, if you're wondering what your life should look like at the moment, it's, it's these things. This is God's will for your life. So we're going to pick it up in verse 16 of chapter 4 of 1 Thessalonians. And Paul says this, he says, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. That's so short, we're going to read it again. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Many of us, we read those words, and what we hear or what we apply to our life is this. Experience joy when things are going well. Make time for prayer and be thankful when you get what you want. Experience joy when when everything's going good. Make sure that you make time for God and make sure that you make time for prayer, and you should always be thankful when God gives you what you ask for. But isn't it so? That is not at all what Paul is saying. You know, we talked in the relationship series, some of the best uh, marriage advice that my wife and I ever got is that when you're having a conversation, especially if you're having conflict, you, you stay away from words like always and never. You just never throw those in the conversation. You stick to the issue at hand. You don't need to be encompassing everything. Paul does not shy away from always and never in these crazy words. Paul says rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and give thanks in all circumstances. And this is God's will for your life. This isn't a suggestion. This isn't something that I think you might enjoy or you should try out. No, no, this is the will of God for your life. The will of God for your life. You know, some of us, all of us, if someone said, hey, would you enjoy joy always? Would you want joy always? I don't think that there's a person in this room. I don't think there's a person in Patchogue, on this island, in this nation, in this world that would turn down more joy. 
If you were to ask anybody, hey, do you want more joy in your life? Everybody would say yes. No one's going to be like, no, I want to be sad. I just, I want to be depressed. I want to be discouraged. I, wanna, I feel like feeling anxious. I don't want joy. Everybody would want joy. It's funny to me that Paul just says, rejoice always. Like, oh, okay, that's what I was missing. Thanks, Paul. Rejoice always. But you see, he, he's making the, the point that, that joy is attainable. Joy is a fruit of the Spirit. And how many people know that fruit only grows on healthy trees? Fruit only grows on, on healthy plants. And so what we're going to do tonight, I want to look at these three things. But instead of starting with rejoice always, we're going to end with rejoice always. Because these two things that follow are what position your heart to be in a healthy place. They're, they're what will position you to be in a season of health where you can begin to see these fruits of the Spirit grow and develop in your life. So I want to start off with the third thing that Paul mentions, giving thanks in all circumstances. Give thanks in all circumstances. I want you to write this down if you're taking notes. Giving thanks is a spiritual discipline, not a feeling. Giving thanks is a spiritual discipline, not a feeling. Two words jump out to me as Paul is saying this. The first word is give, and the second word that jumps out to me is all. Paul says give thanks in all circumstances. Paul does not say feel thankful in all circumstances. We are about to celebrate a holiday in two days that is centered around being thankful. The ironic thing is that so many people, as you are surrounding yourself with friends and family, are going to feel the furthest thing from thankful. Sometimes family and friends can have a way of bringing out the worst in you, not the best in you. Sometimes when you're sitting around a table eating Thanksgiving dinner, you are looking or talking with the person who has the job that you really want. You're, you're talking with the couple that has the kids that you, you desire so bad, or you're talking to the person that has the house that you want, or drives the car that you want, or, or, or the person who's in the relationship that you want, or you know what, maybe just the person whose life you really want. And so as you're celebrating this holiday of Thanksgiving, it doesn't feel genuine to want to give thanks. Maybe your family has the tradition like mine to, at Thanksgiving dinner, you know, go around the table, maybe say some things that you're thankful for, and it almost feels disingenuine to, to, to give thanks because you just don't feel thankful. The reason is because we all have it backwards. We tend to give God thanks when we are feeling thankful. We tend to give God thanks when we're feeling thankful. When do you feel thankful? It's usually when you get what you want, right? Usually when you naturally feel thankful is when the situation worked out the way that you'd hoped. When you when you're able to receive what you wanted. How long does that last? You know, it, it's funny with my kids, it doesn't matter what store we go into. Literally doesn't matter. I took my kids to Home Depot with my wife a couple weeks ago and we were dying laughing the whole way home because my kids were asking for tools. They didn't even know what they were. They just wanted them. I, we could go anywhere, and my kids are going to ask for something. Anywhere. And, and, and my kids, they just don't stop. They just, Daddy, Daddy, I want this. I want this. And I'm like, I heard you. 
no. And they're like, Daddy, please. And they, they, they try to wear us down the entire time that we're, we're in the store. And I'll tell them, we don't negotiate with terrorists. We're not doing this. Like, I'm not buying it for you. But my kids, they just, there's nothing that they will hold back from. They will fake cry. They will bat their eyelashes. You know, whatever. It doesn't matter. They want something. They want it so bad. Daddy, I promise I will be the best for the rest of the week if you buy me this. I'm like, no, you won't. But it works, you know, and, and so finally, a lot of times, I'll give in. I'll be like, all right, fine. I'll buy you that. They're like, Daddy, thanks. You're the best. I love you so much. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know how long that lasts? Usually until we get to the next aisle and they see something else that they want. They're like, Dad, if I could just get that too. Or they're like, Dad, if we buy this, if we just spend a couple more dollars, we could actually get two of them. And I'm like, what happened to being so thankful for me saying yes a second ago? But the reality is, is like, thankfulness doesn't last that long when it's just because you got something that you wanted. Thankfulness, a spirit of thankfulness, is not a product of you just getting what you want. As a matter of fact, you always getting what you want usually has the opposite effect that usually makes you ungrateful. You ever notice that usually it's the people who have everything that don't appreciate anything? And it's people that have nothing that appreciate everything. Thankfulness is not a product of you just getting what you want. I've, I've, I've told this story over the years before, and uh, it, it really has such a profound impact on me. I'm, I'm going to tell it again if you heard it, whatever. But we, we, uh, we have such a good relationship with this pastor in Uganda, Pastor Robert. Uh, some of you guys have heard him speak. We've had him here before. Um, but we, we had the joy of being introduced to this man years ago, and uh, we've been able to go on a few trips to Uganda. Our church has been able to, to be involved with their orphanage where they, um, they take care of over 400 children. And let me tell you something. If you've never been on a mission trip to a third world country, there's nothing that changes your perspective on life more than that experience. You know, it's, it's so sobering to be there and be surrounded by kids of every age who have bloated bellies and who are staring you down when you're eating anything because they're just so hungry they can't take it anymore. Uh, they, they were having a problem with drinking water. The kids were dying in their church and in their orphanage because they were so thirsty they would drink out of anything. They'd drink out of rusty pipes. They would drink out of mud holes. They'd drink anything. If they could just get their hands on liquid, they would drink it. And so our church, we raised money, and we went and installed a, a water filtration system so that these, these little kids could have fresh water to drink. I mean, they have nothing, nothing. And, and we, we took a few trips over there, and it was, it was life-changing. It was so impactful to, to see this. Now, Pastor Robert, he, he runs this church and this orphanage taking care of all these kids, and himself and his family don't have, have much at all. And he takes a trip every year back to the States, and what he'll do is he'll go around to a bunch of churches, and he'll meet with people, and he'll raise funds, and he'll build relationships with churches that would want to come and, and help out and do work. And so he does this every year, and... Several years ago, uh, he came out, and this was shortly after I was, I was there with him, a couple of weeks after. And we were, I was with him for the day, and I was driving him around. We had some, some things to do. He was meeting with some people, and I was actually driving him through the Hamptons because he was scheduled to meet with somebody. And uh, let me tell you something. You are never more aware of the things that you complain about when you're with someone who has nothing. I've never been more aware of all the nice cars that drive by me than when I'm with someone who has nothing. 
I've never been more aware of all the mansions that I drive by until I'm with somebody who has dirt floors and, and lives in a hut. And, and I found myself just feeling more and more uncomfortable, feel more and more awkward. And we have a great relationship, and, and I can be completely honest with them. And so we were talking, and, and we got to the point, I just said, hey, Pastor Robert, could I, just, could I be really honest and, and blunt with you? Could I ask you a question that's just really bothering me? He said, yeah, absolutely. And I said, you know, for me, I, I was just there for a week, and I, I can't imagine for you living there and, and, and coming here and seeing all of this, what you must be feeling. Like, I, I can't imagine that when you're leaving kids that are starving to death and kids that are getting typhoid and, and seeing people in the hospital that are literally just put in a room to die together, I, I can't imagine you leaving that and coming to America and seeing the things, the cars that we drive and the homes that we live in and the things that we have and yet the things that we complain about. The, the things that we allow to stress us out because I just, I, I can't imagine that. And I said, to be honest with you, I feel like if I was in my position, I would, I would hate us. Like, I, I feel like I would be so disgusted by our culture and what we do. And, and I said, how do you do it? Do you, do you hate us? And he looked at me and he said, I don't hate you. And he had a grin on his face and he said, to be honest with you, I have pity for you. And I said, get out of my car. Find your own ride home. Don't talk to me that way. <laughs> I was so thrown off. I said, what? And he said, I have pity for you guys. He said, you guys are so trapped in this materialistic way of living, you can't even see it for yourself. But he said, when I'm back here, I see your life is run by what you have and you don't have. Your happiness, your joy, everything is controlled by what you have and don't have. And he said, he even took it to the point, he said, Scott, if I could be so honest with you, if someone gave me the opportunity to trade places with you, I wouldn't. He said, because I know what it means to be thankful having nothing. I know what it means to have the joy of the Lord having nothing. I know what it means to rely on God because he is our only resort. And in that conversation, it cut me to the core. Cut me to the core. This is a man that has so much joy that when he walks around, he's so thankful for everything that he has. He, he has so much faith and he trusts in God so much. And, and, and here I am struggling to give thanks to God because I'm not feeling thankful because I don't have everything that I want. Here's the, re, the, the, the right order. Is that lasting thankfulness is a product of always giving thanks. Giving thanks doesn't come out of feeling thankful. Thankfulness is a product of always giving thanks. And Paul is saying, give thanks in all circumstances. All circumstances. There may be times of life where this may be easier than others. It may be more obvious what I could be giving thanks for. There may be some seasons and times of life where I'm struggling in the physical to find things to be thankful for. I think if you really think long and hard, you can always find something. But if you're like, man, I'm struggling in the physical, well, what if we just started thanking God for all the things that we can't see? What if I spent time saying, God, I just want to thank you for the gift of salvation, for the very fact that this is not my end, that this life that I'm walking in, this side of heaven, is not where it ends for me. 
God, I thank you for the hope that I have in eternity. God, I thank you for these, these loved ones that have passed away that I'm going to get to see again. I'm going to get to spend time with again. God, I thank you for the freedom that I can have in you. I thank you that my life doesn't have to be controlled anymore by, by these bad habits or by these addictions, these things that I've allowed in. But, but in you and through you and through your sacrifice, I can have freedom and I can have victory in things. God, I thank you that even though in the physical right now everything seems like a mess, your word promises that you are always working things out for my good. So God, I thank you right now that even if I don't see it, I know that you're working. I know that you love me. In all circumstances, in every season, in every situation, Paul is saying we should be giving thanks. Giving thanks is not a feeling, it's a spiritual discipline, and it's the will of God for your life to begin to work that out. It's the will of God for your life to begin to to test yourself and challenge yourself and say, Every day, God, let me give some thanks back to you. Let me acknowledge some things that I should be thankful for. Because this is God's will for your life. Second thing that Paul mentions is he says, pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. I want you to write this down. Prayer is not something we do. It's a lifestyle. Prayer is not something we do. It's a lifestyle. Now, let me make one thing really clear. It is of the utmost importance that you make time to spend with God. That, that there is time scheduled into your day where you can get alone with God, where you can silence all the distractions, all the noise, and you can have some quiet time to hear from him. I'm not saying don't do that. But this is what I am saying. Too many Christians, you make time for God, and then you put your relationship with God on pause so that then you can go on with the rest of your day. You put your, your prayer on pause so that you can go do life. Now, when Paul says pray without ceasing, what he's not saying, God does not expect you to be like, no, 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 no. Get back on your knees at the couch. Go fill your coffee up again. We're not done here. Everything else, you do not stop. God is not saying put everything else on pause and don't leave prayer. But God doesn't expect you to put him on pause so that you can go do life. Paul is saying we should be praying without ceasing. Make time for God, but don't don't let it sit in your prayer closet. Don't let it stay in your quiet time in the morning. You should be taking that communication with you throughout your day, every day. Pray without ceasing. Some of you may be overwhelmed by that. You know, I look at it like eating right. Eating right takes a lot of intentionality in the beginning. It takes a lot of prep in the beginning. It takes a lot of planning in the beginning. It's, it's more work. If you've ever tried to do it for a season, you know that usually it costs more. It's, it's more meal prep. It's, it's different shopping. Maybe you're going to different stores. It takes effort and intentionality to eat right. But if you do it long enough, it begins to start to be habitual. And if you continue to do it, then it, it begins to, to go from a habit to a lifestyle. And, and you can get to the point where you, you're not even having to put as much effort into it anymore because you've just grown used to it. You, you've begun to recognize things that are good for you. You begin to recognize what appropriate portions are and, and portion control and, 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 and how many calories you think are in something this size and, and, and what that looks like it would do to you. you. You start to realize and adjust and it becomes a lifestyle because you began it with intentionality and effort. The crazy thing is, is once, once eating right, begins to be a lifestyle, it can change what you crave and desire. If you've ever done it for a length of time, you might start to crave some things that right now you'd be like, no, I don't want broccoli. 
No, I don't want that. No, I don't want a salad. If you do it long enough, your body will adjust and you will begin to crave things that are healthy. You know, I struggle with Mountain Dew sometimes. I go through seasons with Mountain Dew. You know, if, if, I, can, if I can block out, if I can not do the dew for a little while, it always amazes me that when I can just go strictly water, how I feel like my body is so much more refreshed from just water, and I will begin to, like, crave, like, oh, I need to drink some more water. Like, at the end of the day, sometimes I get this feeling like I feel like I need some more water. But then the moment that I go back to the dew, all I want is that. So it can literally change what you crave and desire, but what it can also do is it can take the very thing that you used to love, and now it can leave you feeling empty. I don't know what your vice is. Mine is do, and it is Taco Bell. Taco Bell is always my demise. I can be on such a good streak. I can be running strong. And I see a commercial or just this cheesy gordita crunch pops into my head, and I'm like, I would crush a cheesy gordita crunch right now. And I would begin to think and fantasize about how good it is and how amazing it would be. And, and, and a lot of times... You know, I will fall into it, and I'll go back to it. And, and I don't know if this has happened to you before, but a lot of times for me, I'll think about how good it is, and then I'll break the streak that I've been on, and then I'll be like, oh, I, honestly, I don't feel that good anymore. I pictured it being so much better. I kind of feel like garbage now. When you allow something to become a lifestyle, not only will it change what you crave and desire, but it also takes things that you once desired, and now those things will leave you feeling empty. Prayer is not meant to just be something you do. It's meant to be a lifestyle. If you're here and you're like, man, praying without ceasing, that sounds exhausting. That's because you're not picturing it right. I, I want to I give you a couple illustrations tonight to help tweak this picture that you have when you hear these words, pray without ceasing. Because when Paul says this, this is not meant to be a burden on you. This is meant to be a blessing for you. Prayer without ceasing is not just this responsibility that's meant to be a weight on your shoulders, this is meant to be guidance that God can instruct you and teach you and show you where to go. It's for your benefit. I get this, this sense of satisfaction whenever I can do something with my hands on my house. Like where maybe somebody else would hire the work done. I'm like, no, 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 I can do it. I did this. I accomplished this. And I think a big reason why I have that is because I grew up in a home where my dad did everything. My dad could fix anything and everything. My dad is the real Bavila, not the Hollywood Bavila. My dad is the real Bavila. And, and he doesn't just stop with houses like Bob. My dad can do cars. He can do whatever. So a mix of having a dad like that, and then we just never had any money to hire anybody out, so we always did it ourselves. And my dad would always have me there with him helping. I kind of grew up with this, this feeling of I want to be able to do it myself. Now, unlike my dad, I didn't grow up in a trade. I didn't have a full-time job as a trade. I didn't have that training. But because I have my dad, I get this sense of confidence that I could, I could fix anything. Oh, I'm sure my dad would know how to do that. And nowadays, if I come across something that my dad doesn't know how to fix, I got YouTube. You can find anything on YouTube. I just read something the other day. It, it either just happened or it's about to happen where where now the tables have turned, and now instead of people Googling how to do something, YouTube has taken over. More people will YouTube how to do something than Google how to do something. Because there's something that's so awesome about not just reading it, but being able to watch it. 
And so I get this sense of confidence that I can fix anything around my house because I got my dad and because I got YouTube. Now, if something were to happen and YouTube were to go away and something were to happen to my dad, God forbid, my attitude would probably change. But because I know the voices that I have available to me, I get this sense of confidence that I could do it. I could figure it out. I can't tell you how many times I've, I've run into something with the house or, or run into something that was broken that my first reaction is, uh, let me just call my dad and ask. Dad, have you ever heard this noise? Dad, this is what I'm looking at. What do you think? Or I'm YouTubing. Like, I don't even know what the thing is called. I'm trying to describe it on YouTube. But I just, I know that, that, that somebody could walk me through it. It gives me this confidence. Now, a lot of times what I'll do is if I'm, if I'm doing something that I've never done before, a lot of times I will look it up on YouTube. I'll pause the video. I'll go get my tools. I'll get to where I need to be, and I will play the video. And as I'm doing it, I can look over and I can watch the video. What this does is it, it takes the stress out of the fix for me. Because I don't just have someone saying, this is what you're going to do. I can actually watch it real time as I'm doing it. I'd be like, oh, that's the part that they're talking about. Oh, yep, he said only turn it this, this, this much. I, I can literally, as I go, I can watch it. So not only does it give me confidence, but it actually helps take some of the stress out as I'm, as I'm working through it. God desires to walk you through life. God desires for you to have this confidence inside of you, not that you have it all figured out, not that you've been in every situation, not that you've been in every circumstance, quite the opposite, that you serve a God who is in all, who knows all, who's created all. You pray without ceasing because God wants to give you the confidence. I don't know what's going on. I don't know how to handle this situation. I don't know how I got here. I don't know how to fix this. I don't know how this is going to pan out, but God does. And so why wouldn't I be talking with God? Why wouldn't I be communicating with God? You, you know it all. But we could even take it a step further than that. Because God is not just desiring to, to walk you through it. While God is walking you through it, God is also working on it. He's not just walking you through it. God is working while you're walking. I remember years ago, this was... This Thirteen years ago, I think, when I when I first went to school, I was introduced to Xbox 360 Halo. I don't know if anyone in here ever played Halo. Yep. This was crazy. You know, at first I saw a couple kids playing it, and I was like, "All right, whatever, it's a video game." But then my mind was blown by like the second or third night that I was there. We had this we had this dorm called Bower where it was in a big square, and so all these guys. Hundreds of guys, you have these rooms off of this square. All the hallways connect. So what, what you could do in this game was you could, you could plug into the network and you could have 16 guys all in different rooms playing in the same map. It was crazy. So you'd have a bunch of guys in their own dorm rooms with headsets on talking as if everyone was in the same room and everyone's playing on the same map. It was incredible. It was the coolest thing I've ever experienced in my life. Maybe. But... It was awesome. At that point, it probably was. So cool. We would literally, like, be so excited to get out of class to run back and we could play Halo. It was awesome. And so I didn't really care as much about how my grades were that first semester. It was just like, did I level up? Like, did I get better? But did I get better, God? I think I did. And so it, it was just, it was, it was so much fun. And, and so I, I went for a while playing with my buddies, and then I ended up transferring schools a while later. 
And uh, and to be honest with you, that was something that I was like, oh, man, like that was something that we all did together. And that was so much fun. And around that time, my brother-in-law, he had showed me that like Xbox Live was really starting to take off at that point. He's like, you don't need to connect into a physical network. You can join the network and you can play online. I'm like, what? And so it worked out amazing. I believe that God invented Xbox Live right at that time for me. And so what happened was is I, I went to Tennessee and I was able to be in my apartment in Tennessee playing with my buddies in Lakeland, Florida. And it was so cool because I could, I could sit there and I could be talking with everybody and hanging out with everyone. And, and it would literally feel like I was in the room. I was able, it's not like I would call my buddies up and stay on the phone for two hours, but I play Xbox Live for two hours and talk with everyone and, and, and hear about what's going on in everybody's life. And it was, it was so cool. I think I thought that that was just going to be a college thing, you know, and, and that when I, when I was done, that that, that that would leave, but it didn't, you know, because then when we all left college, we were like, hey, we could all still stay in touch, you know, and it, and it was the coolest thing. So, like, the only little hiccup that happened was I got married, and, and <laughs> surprisingly enough, like, my wife just, she wasn't into it as much as I was. <laughs> But listen, I, I knew when I chose to get married, like, hey, I'm laying myself down. You know, this isn't about me. This is about us. And so my priorities need to change. And so when my buddies were jumping on at eight, I'm like, guys, I can't do it. I got to spend time with my wife, quality time with my wife. And so they'd be hounding me, like, dude, get on. I'm like, nah, I'm, I'm, watching, I'm watching TV with my wife. And really in my head what I was doing, I was just waiting for the first sign of my wife to be like, I'm kind of tired. You want to go to bed? So I would just be holding my buddies off, holding my buddies off. She'd be like, how are you feeling? I'm like, oh, I'm getting a little tired. She'd be like, yeah, I'm tired too. You want to go to bed? I'm like, actually, if you want to go to bed, you can go to bed. I think I just got a second wind. I'm going to stay up for a little bit. And my wife, she was on to me, you know. She'd be like, faith has a way of being so upfront that it just, it's so demeaning sometimes for me. <laughs> faith would just look at me. She'd go, oh, let me guess. Do you want to play video games with your friends? I'd be like, listen. Let's get two things straight. First of all, I'm a grown man, okay? And second of all, that's exactly what I want to do. <laughs> yes, that's what I want to do. And so I'd be like, listen, I, I, my, they've been texting me for hours. Like, I said no, but I just figure if you're going to go to sleep, it, what, I'm, I'm not costing us quality time. You know, and she'd be like, all right, whatever. If you want to do that, you can go do that. And uh, she'd be like, just don't, don't stay up crazy late. I'm like, girl, you're not my mom. You're my wife. And then before I knew it, it was like 3 a.m. And I was like, guys, I said I had one more like two hours ago. And then I'd be having to get up like three hours later, you know, for work. So it was an awesome time, but it was a tough time. But if you never played, so basically you'd, you'd have these headsets, right? And they, they're plugged into your controller. So your communication is not impeding your ability to continue to, to, to function, you got both hands on the controller. You're playing, but you're communicating with everybody. So in the lobby, you know, you're communicating with a ton of people, I think 16. Once the game would start, and at this point, we, we, we switched to Call of Duty. Call of Duty took over, and it was the bomb. So we'd play Call of Duty. So you'd be talking trash with 16 guys in, in, in a room, and then as soon as the match would start, the teams would separate, and now it's, it's your team of eight, and the other team can't hear you. And so... We used to play this game called Search and Destroy, okay? We, we weren't savages. We didn't just run and gun, play Team Deathmatch. We played Search and Destroy. The reason is because we're grown men. We're civilized, okay? 
This takes, this takes strategy, okay? So what this game was, it was kind of like capture the flag. You had two teams. One team was on defense. One team was on offense, okay? You had, a, you had a team with a bomb that needed to go plant the bomb, okay? The other team had to defuse the bomb before it blew up. So th- this is predicated on teamwork, predicated on good communication. So the minute that, that the lobby would disband and now you're, you're waiting for the match to go, it's strategy talk right away. It's, hey, you two need to go left. You two need to go left center. You two right center. You two right. And then you would know the maps because you would play them enough. And so you'd be like, listen, this is what we need to do. They're going to post up over there. Or they're going to have people over here. And, and you need to protect this guy with the bomb. And so you go in front of them and you go behind them. Or, or you need to watch because the bomb's going to come up the left side. So you're communicating the whole time as you're doing it, as you're, as you're navigating this map. But as people would die, if they die, boom, they're out of the communication. You can't hear them anymore. You can't talk to them anymore. And so what would happen is you'd be so sucked into this game, man. Like, you, you, you'd be stressed out because, and we play hardcore, you know. We're, some of you know what that means, some of you don't. Anyways, you'd be, you'd be so wrapped up in this game, and, and, and more often than not, it would come down to it being like you and another guy or you and a couple other guys, and, 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 you, and you'd be talking to them, and this would always happen. You would hear in the background, like, his phone ringing. And you're like, don't pick that up. Don't pick that up. Dude, we got 40 seconds left. Don't pick that up. And, you, and you'd hear your buddy be like, hey, babe, what's up? And, and he would, like, take his headset off. Or, or you'd hear somebody's mom walk into the room. And you're like, stop talking to your mom, dude. Like, come on, we got a minute left. You know, and, the, and, and, and what would happen is they would take their headset off so that they could talk on the phone or, or so that they could talk to their mom. And you're over there all alone, and, and, and you're trying to do everything by yourself. And there's nobody there to watch your back, and there's no one there to give you guidance, and there's no one there to tell you anything. And, and, and you'd end up losing. And then you'd get in there, and you'd be like, what's wrong with you, dude? This isn't a game. Don't take your headset off. I was never like that. My buddies were. I was never like that. But, but you worked as a team, and, and, and as long as that communication was there, you could accomplish some cool things with the team. The moment that that communication broke down, the teamwork was gone. You were on your own. You were navigating the map by yourself. There are too many Christians that have your spiritual headset around your neck, and, and, and you are trying to navigate life, and you are trying to, to wander around the map on your own and, and figure things out on your own, and you're trying to move forward but also be your own defender, and, you, and you're trying to, to, to figure out where to go and guess where the attack is coming from and 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 the reality is this is that the christian life is not meant to be a solo job if you want to to walk this walk that god has created you to walk you can't do it without him you can't do it without communication with god you cannot accomplish god things without god and so when 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 paul is saying you need to be praying without ceasing it's not that you're walking around with your hands folded in a robe hanging around your feet no paul is saying that you have this internal dialogue that, that maybe you're not in your prayer closet all day long, but, but when you leave there, you take God with you. You take the Holy Spirit with you. And so what that looks like is maybe if, if you're sitting in a meeting at work and, and you're talking about some stressful things or, or heavy-duty things, that, that you're not there just trying to figure things out on your own. Maybe it's the second that you say, God, I need your wisdom right now. God, I'm not sure how I should answer that question. God, I don't want to get defensive. Or, God, I want to wring that person's neck. I need you to calm me down right now. God, I need you to give me peace right now. Maybe it's this conflict that's coming up and and you're stressed out about it. Instead of you fantasizing about ripping that person apart when you meet them, it's you praying on the way to the conversation. Say, God, give me wisdom. God, give me patience. God, give me grace for this person. I need you right now. 
praying without ceasing is not a burden, it is a blessing. God is saying, man, I have created you to walk this walk that you cannot do on your, lo- on your own. So, so don't walk through life with this headset around your neck. Put it on. And, and it doesn't mean that your life is on pause. It's just you're going to take me with you. Jesus is saying it is better for you that I go to heaven because if I go to heaven, the Holy Spirit is going to come down. He's going to live inside of you. He's going to talk to you. He's going to reveal truth to you. He's going to be with you wherever you go. We could spend a lifetime ignoring the one who was the gift to live inside of us. Trying to do life on your own. Paul says, give thanks in all circumstances. Pray without ceasing. And this last thing, rejoice always. How, how amazing does that sound? Joy always. Joy always. The definition of rejoice is to have or give joy. So Paul is saying that at any moment of life, you should have the ability to have and also to give joy. Paul is talking about like handling joy. It's so crazy because joy is something that so many people live without. Joy is something that so many people feel like is never going to be in their life. It's never going to be part of their story. Just too many things have happened and and their life is just too crazy. But Paul is saying, man, give thanks in in all circumstances. Pray without ceasing. and, And you should be able to have joy always. And this is the will of God for your life. So if you've accepted this, this mindset, maybe even subconsciously, that this walk with God is always just going to be this struggle that you just got to gotta grit your teeth and you just you got to get through. I don't believe that for a second. I'm not saying that, that, that all of life is going to be enjoyable, but you should be able to have joy always. That even in tough circumstances, in tough situations, that you have the ability to have joy because joy is a fruit of the Spirit. Because joy is a product of your intimacy with God. And so if God doesn't change, and if God is always the same, and if he was the same yesterday, today, and forever, if he's the alpha and the omega, if he's the beginning and the end, it doesn't really matter what I'm going through. I could have joy always. If we can just position our hearts and our lives to be in a place of health, and we can begin to work out some of these spiritual disciplines, joy will be a fruit that begins to to grow and be displayed in your life. It's not just something that you'll be able to have. It'll be something that you're able to give. Paul says in Galatians 5, in in the Passion Translation, he says, The fruit produced by the Holy Spirit within you is divine love in all of its varied expressions. Joy that overflows. Peace that subdues, patience that endures, kindness in action, a life full of virtue, faith that prevails, gentleness of heart, and strength of spirit. Joy that overflows. I don't know if you've ever had the opportunity to be around somebody that has the joy of the Lord. You might be like, that sounds weird. You know it when you've seen it. You know it when you've experienced it. It's that person that can walk into the room and everything seems to change. That you're like, what are you smoking? Like there is something, what, this, there's something different about this person. A lot of times it's not because the person's life is going amazing. You're like, man, they've had some tough breaks. And, and look at the joy that's around them. Look at the joy that they have, the peace that they walk around with. Man, that, that stands out to people. That, that sticks out to people. This life that you were created to live, it's not just joy that you hoard. It's joy that overflows. 
It's joy that's going to affect your family, and it's joy that's going to affect and infect your workplace and, and spread to those around you. God has not sent his son to die on the cross and raise him back to life and, and send his Holy Spirit to live inside of you so that you could just survive life. Jesus says, I came so that you could have life to the fullest. So you're not just here stuck trying to survive. God wants you to thrive. God wants you to be able to give joy in all circumstances, to be able to always talk to him, to be able to, to rejoice at all times. I want to ask you to stand as we, we begin to close tonight and transition, and the band is going to come up. We have a prayer team that's standing along the back. And if you're here tonight and you could use some prayer and some encouragement about anything, it may be about some things we talked about tonight. It may have nothing to do with this. Maybe you came into this place tonight feeling overwhelmed about stuff that's going on in your life. We got a team that wants to listen to you, that wants to hear you out, that wants to encourage you, wants to pray with you. So at any point over these next few minutes, you can just walk right to the back and they'd love to just pray with you. But if you're here tonight and, and, and you've been struggling to have joy, we have some takeaways. To be honest with you, earlier this, uh, this past week, actually, there was a night where I was, I was laying in bed and, and my wife and I, we had gone to bed earlier than we normally do because we were both tired and we had a lot going on. And I was trying to do the responsible thing to go to bed early. And as I got in bed early, I just, I was having trouble falling asleep. And then I, I just started to dwell on some things. I started to stress out about some things. I started to, there are certain things that will pop into my mind and I, I have trouble moving on and I have trouble, you know, getting past. And I, I ended up being up for hours and I'm looking at the clock knowing I got to get up early and I'm frustrated at this point and I'm mad that I can't fall asleep and I'm stressed out about these things that I'm, I'm thinking about. And to be honest with you, I just got to the point where I was like, just in my head, my wife is sleeping next to me. I was like, God, I'm so sick of this. Like, I'm, I'm so over stressing out about these things. I'm, I'm so over this just being a rub. Like, I don't feel like I have joy. I, I, I don't feel like I just have this, this peace right now. And God, I just, I'm, I'm done. I don't, I don't want to do this anymore. I just, I need you. Like, I need to feel you right now. And, and, I just began to, to thank God for things in my life. I began to thank God for my wife and for my kids. And I, I began to thank God for health and, and just look and point to different things. And I fell asleep that night trying to just point to everything that I could that I was thankful for. And I woke up the next day and I, I felt better. I felt better. And, and that's where this message is really coming from tonight is that, you know, so many times I will settle for a joyless life. I, I will fall into this trap of being stressed and being anxious, being discouraged, being depressed. And, and when Paul is saying this to this church, the will of God for your life because of Jesus, because of what Jesus has done, you should be able to rejoice always. You should never stop praying. You should never stop communicating with God. At any point, in any season, you should be able to give thanks. It just struck me to the core. If you're here tonight and you've been struggling to have joy, I want to pray for you. I want to point out the fact that maybe it's because we've fallen into this, this, this trap or this routine of 
God has his place in the morning. God has his place where I pray and where I seek him, but then I can fall into this, all right, now I'm going to go do life. Now back to the real world. Now let me go figure everything out. We need to transition from making time for God to God invade all my time. Be here all the time. I want to communicate with you all the time. Maybe your, your absence of joy has been because you have just, sometimes you give thanks when you're feeling thankful, but you've not worked out this discipline of, of acknowledging God and his goodness and his faithfulness to you. You've not begun to work out the spiritual discipline that there is not a season or a day of life that I do not have something that I could give thanks for. I believe that if we could work on these two things, I believe that if we can ask the Holy Spirit for strength to work on these two things, that joy will begin to be the fruit of you working these things out. I want to pray for you tonight. If you're here and you just say, man, I need some joy. I need to work on these things. I need some strength. I want to invite you to raise your hand. I just want to pray for you tonight as we close. Jesus, we just we thank you so much for everything that you've done for us. God, I, I thank you that your sacrifice on that cross, you giving your life, was not a, a one-time benefit for me, but it continues to benefit me every day of my life, God. That it didn't just give me salvation, but it is freedom for me every day. God, it is victory for me every day. God, I thank you that your Holy Spirit lives inside of me, lives inside of us, that wants to speak to us and communicate with us and guide us, that wants to give us direction and discernment and clarity. God, I pray, Lord, that, that we would be challenged to the core tonight God, to not leave you in a box, to not put you on pause to go and do life, but that we would take you wherever we go. God, that I would work out praying without ceasing, praying without stopping. God, I pray, Lord, that when I fall into the trap of, of being envious of other people, when I fall into the trap of, of comparison, when I fall into the, the rat race of, of, of just desiring all these materialistic things, God, I, I pray, Lord, that you would convict me. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would point it out. God, I pray that you'd give me strength to begin to work out the spiritual discipline that in every season, every day, God, that I give thanks to you. Lord, that I point to things in my life that I'm thankful for. God, that I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for your grace and your mercy and your faithfulness to me and my family. And God, we thank you, Lord, that a fruit of the Spirit is joy. God, we pray, Lord, tonight, God, that wherever there is heaviness, Holy Spirit, that you would lift it. God, wherever there is burden, Holy Spirit, that you would lift it. I, I pray that over these next few minutes as we sing this song, if there are things that we've been carrying, things that we've been stressed out about, that we would lay it at your feet and we would walk away. God, we thank you that you came so that we could have life to the fullest. God, we want your joy tonight. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to today's message. If you would like to take the next step in your relationship with Jesus today, visit us online at www.theharborli.com backslash next step.